Chapter 20 of Matthew's gospel um, is a wonderful chapter in the sense that uh, Gary, it seems to look ahead to blessings uh, available to believers uh, in the millennium and beyond. Uh, are you a believer in Christ this morning? Have you looked to him for uh, salvation? Have you looked to him for forgiveness? Church, we're, we're thankful for forgiveness that's available to us in Christ, uh, in Christ alone this morning. Have you known blessings in your life this side of heaven since you made that decision to repent of sin uh, and, and to place your faith in him? Has he blessed you for that decision? Is that, that, praise God, we have some things to be thankful for this morning and uh, be thinking about some of those things. We'll ask you downstairs before we eat today to share uh, a blessing, something that you're thankful for. Be, be thankful and uh, don't be afraid to share those things uh, later on this morning. Uh, that said, uh, that said, do the blessings that we know this side of heaven and the millennial reign of Christ do you think they even begin to compare to the blessings that, that we'll know in eternity? Carol, do you think they even begin to compare? No, they don't. This is just a tiny little taste of the blessings that believers, those who place their faith in Christ for salvation, uh, have to look forward to. And by the way, those blessings are certain, amen? They're, they're certain. We have so very much to look forward to this morning. Now, uh, what I want to do today, Gary, I think what we're going to do at least, I want to preach a two-part message today. All right, we're going to have two services today, right? We're going to be here this morning. Well, you're here this morning. Uh, we'll have lunch. We'll be back up here. If you're able to, please stay if you're able to. We'll be back at, at 1.30. I almost said 3.30. 1.30 is our plan-ish, okay? If I say ish, that means it's, I'm off the hook, Brother Garcia, if we're a little bit beyond that, right? 1.30-ish is our plan. Uh, I won't complete this message um, at 1.30, so... Um, there'll be good stuff this morning if you're, if you're not able to be here this afternoon. But please understand that that's our plan today. Um, we'll, we'll see different aspects of, of the future blessings that we have to look forward to uh, in, in Christ's millennial reign. Now, I believe that that is specifically, literally, what the chapter is, is looking ahead to. So let's just stop and, and quickly review the Lord's timeline. Where are we now in, in the Lord's timeline? This is the church age, right? Uh, that's why you're in church this morning, right? This is the church age. This is God's plan for this time. Brother, our, I know God is working. He's made it clear throughout the New Testament. His plan for right now is to work in and through the ministries of, of little local churches like this one. That's his plan. We don't question that, right? That's his plan. Is it a good plan? Praise God. It's a good plan. Uh, we know the next thing to come is the rapture, the catching away of, of believers, uh, those dead in the Lord, follow, followed by the rest of us who may be living at that time. Uh, we understand there'll be a tribulation period to follow, uh, a time of great difficulty on the earth. Gary, difficulties that God is going to use uh, to bring people to Christ during that time. And seems like his focus is primarily Jewish people who have, who have resisted recognizing him as the Messiah, but not 
not exclusively Jewish people. And then at the end of that time, uh, he'll return with us to put down his enemies once and for all. Uh, and then there'll be a thousand year millennial reign on, of Christ uh, upon the earth, followed by a new heaven, a new earth. Everybody got all that down, right? Everybody got all that down, right? That's, that's a lot. If that's new to you, talk to me about that. But that's our understanding of God's timeline. There's a lot to come after this church age, and it's good stuff, amen? Mike, there's so many blessings that are promised to us throughout that time. Uh, we just have so much to look forward to. A time in heaven of the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ on earth, uh, the New Jerusalem, we looked at recently, the new heaven and new earth and the new Jerusalem. So many blessings, so much to look forward to. It's not going to be boring, church, is it? Nothing's going to be boring about that, Marilyn. Life hasn't been too boring anyway, right? But it'll, it, none of that's going to be boring at all. I believe this morning that Christ is looking ahead specifically in this chapter uh, to the millennium. His, his thousand-year millennial reign uh, long prophesied by, by Daniel and, and so many other uh, of the Old Testament prophets, uh, that he's looking ahead specifically to that time, uh, a great part of our hope. And he's, he's teaching certain truths about that time, truths that uh, he wanted his disciples to understand there in the first century for a variety of reasons, I believe. And we'll touch on some of those things uh, today. Uh, what I want us to see today before we're done at the end of the day is to see that everyone, every single person uh, who repents of sin and comes to Christ, placing their faith in him for salvation, him and him alone, there's a place for you in the Lord's future, in his millennial reign. Amen. There's a place for you. Say amen. There's a place for you. It's being prepared and uh, you have a place in his millennium his reign, his, his thousand-year millennial kingdom, just as certain as, as anything is certain today, more certain than anything is certain today, uh, you have the certainty of that hope. We'll see a place. And we understand that, Brother Art, that is possible. It's possible for me to have the certain hope of a place in the Lord's millennial reign rather than a certain expectation of hell because of one person. There's peas today, okay? Uh, one person, and that person is who? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? God the Son, the only begotten Son. Uh, it's because of him. Now, what we'll see this afternoon, Lord willing, is that uh, there is the possibility of a position of authority uh, in the place of the millennium to believers who live with the same humility that Christ exercised during his earthly ministry. Did he come and, and minister with great humility during his earthly ministry? Did he? Did, I mean, he really did, right? He came in the most humble, where, where did he come? To? He's God the Son. He's, he's, he's the Son of God, he's God the Son. He's just as much God as the Father and the Holy Spirit. And yet he came humbly as a babe in a what? They say, don't, don't jump ahead until Christmas, until after Thanksgiving, but I can't resist today, okay? I, a babe in a manger, and, and, and Gary, he grew up and, and lived humbly uh, and served humbly, and we'll see an example of his humble, compassionate service today before we're done. He laid down his life humbly humbly for all people so that anyone who would come to him 
could be saved uh, and live with the same humility or Christ-like humility uh, and know a reward in eternity that seems to be tied to or based upon um, uh, living humbly, a humble Christ-like life this side of heaven. By the way, do you have to live a certain way to be forgiven, to be saved? No, you don't. You just need to come to him for salvation. Amen. Should we live a life that is pleasing to him, having been saved by him? Yes, we can. We should and we can, Gary, when we yield the spirit of God and allow him to, to sanctify us, to produce, to bring forth holiness uh, in our lives. Now, I'm going to give you just a little bit more introduction, then we're going to get into the Bible. Amen? Does that sound good? All right, that's what we're going to do. Uh, so Christ begins to, um, to paint out this idea that uh, there is a place available to all who would come to him, uh, regardless of, of when they come, there is a place available for everyone, and certainly it's a place that beats the alternative. The only biblical alternative to this place in, 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 uh, in, in his eternity is, is the, the alternative of hell. But, but there's a place in uh, heaven and, and the millennium and, and beyond for every single person that comes to Christ, no matter when they come. And this morning we'll see here this idea being communicated by Christ through this uh, parable that's based on uh, what evidently was a common practice in the first century during Christ's ministry. So it's set in the harvest season, probably a little bit before now, this time of year. And evidently, Gary, day laborers were hired by landowners to come and, and work in the fields during the harvest time. And what we see in, in this parable here uh, is that um, men who wanted to work in the fields during the harvest season would kind of congregate in town uh, and the, the, the foremen or the landowners would come and hire them to go and, and work in the fields for the day. And they, they'd negotiate a wage uh, for the day, and then they would go into the work, go and do the work, and, and they'd be paid uh, at the end of the day. Now, this this is a parable. This is uh, something that would have been very familiar. Uh, that that whole setting, that scenario, would be very familiar to people uh, in the first century. But Christ is going to use an illustration based on that common practice to teach uh, certain truths. Uh, about his millennial kingdom and the fact that there is graciously a place available to everyone no matter when they come to him. I believe this is the idea here. Uh, I want to just read the first part of, of, the, of the chapter here. If you're able to, could you stand, uh, if you're able to this morning, stand in, uh, out of respect for the Lord and his words, if you're able to. I want to just read this, this first portion uh, of the passage this morning, this parable, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll stop and pray and make some observations here. So Matthew 20, beginning in verse 1, um, Jesus is speaking, he says this, he says, for the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, uh, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into 
uh, his vineyard, his, his field, his crops had matured and he needed to harvest uh, his, his crop now. Verse two, and when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, this would be the typical wage uh, at that time, uh, he sent them into his vineyard. Verse three, he went out about the third hour, so sometime later, and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, go ye, all of you, also into the vineyard. Whatsoever is right, I will give you. I'll pay whatever seems right. Uh, and they went their way. Verse five, again, he went uh, out about the sixth and ninth hour. Uh, so twice more at, at certain intervals uh, and did likewise. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idle. So very late in the day, he goes out and finds others uh, and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. Verse 7. He saith unto them, Go ye, all of you, also into the vineyard. Whatever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even, when the evening was come, Lord of the vineyard said unto his steward, his foreman would be the idea, uh, call the laborers, all that we've hired, give them their hire, pay them their wages, beginning from the last unto the first. Uh, verse 9 says, And when they, they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. Uh, every man received the same penny. Uh, but when the first came, they supposed, those that were hired first, they supposed that they should have received more. Uh, and they likewise received every man a penny. Uh, and when they had received it, they murmured, they complained, they murmured against the good man of the house, uh, this landover and his foreman, saying, these last have wrought but one hour. They only worked one hour. And thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Uh, take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first and the first last for many be called, uh, but few chosen. Look back in verse one, just for a moment. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, the millennial kingdom is like this. It's like this. We'll consider that uh, here this morning. Let's bow our heads and pray, please. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for the Bible, for your words. Thank you for our translation, so accurate, so accurate. Lord, I thank you this morning for the privilege to preach your words. Uh, Father, we understand this morning that Christ is using this parable, this illustration of truths regarding the kingdom. Uh, and Lord, thank you so much that uh, we can wrestle with this this morning together and understand, uh, Lord, what it is that you would have us uh, to see here this morning. Father, I pray that you'll help me now uh, to bring forth truth from thy word just exactly uh, as you desire. Lord, I pray this morning that you, you open our hearts to your words and that uh, we would receive them as just that, your word, your truth. Father, I pray this morning if there's anyone here this morning 
uh, who does not yet know Christ as his or her savior, uh, that today, today would be that day. Lord, I thank you this morning. I pray that you'll work here now for your honor and for your glory. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, you may be seated. Uh, isn't it a privilege to be able to open the Bible and to know that you have God's words in your hands? Isn't that just an amazing privilege? Uh, and to have such a wonderful, accurate translation of the words that God gave and, and has preserved for us supernaturally uh, to this very day. Rich, not just because, but rather because he, he has great purposes for that. Uh, I understand he wanted his disciples uh, there during his ministry to understand certain truths uh, about his future kingdom. And, you know, he could have just spoken to them and not had this to be written down and preserved for us. Uh, but, but he did have it to be written down uh, by Matthew and Mark, uh, and he did preserve it for us to this day. So, and we understand this, this is for us. It's, it's not just for the, the, the disciples or, or the Jews of, of Jesus' day there in the first century. Uh, it might be first and foremost for them in some ways, but it, it certainly is uh, for us also. And as I've already explained this morning, I believe that the, 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 the idea here is, so just, just consider that the passage for a minute. Some men are hired to go into uh, this, this, this place where they've been hired to early in the day, and, and, and they're promised a certain reward for that. And uh, the, the, the boss comes back uh, several additional times uh, throughout the day to invite others to come for the same uh, reward, and, and they come. Uh, and they come, and uh, at the end of the day, uh, each one receives the same reward. And, and some thought, well, that doesn't seem exactly fair. We've, those of us that came sooner should get more than others. Now, by the way, I think that, that opposition, that, that murmuring, uh, that, that idea of, of murmuring or complaining about that might be the reason why Jesus taught this parable. If we understand it correctly to mean that the Lord is, is showing us that uh, at least some of the rewards that we'll know in, in the future uh, are not based upon when we get saved or, or how long we serve before we die and, uh, and, and pass on into eternity, uh, and that there's a, there's a temptation uh, to uh, feel like that's unfair. By the way, is God unfair? Is he unfair? He's not unfair. He's God. Is, does the Bible not reveal him to be perfectly just? Does the Bible reveal God to be perfectly just? Sinless and perfectly just. So nothing, nothing is going to be unfair about rewards in, in eternity. But does it seem to us sometimes, sometimes does it seem like God has acted unfairly in our lives? If you're not careful, does it sometimes, do you sometimes think, oh, uh, Lord, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I've done this and, I, and I've done that, or this person has done this, this person has done that, uh, and yet you allow some difficulty to happen or some death or, or some, some, some great difficulty. If we're not careful, do we sometimes allow ourselves to think, you know, I'm not sure God's very fair at times. If we're, if we're not careful, that thought can come in. What do you got to do with that thought? You got to grab hold of it and say, nuh-uh, 
<laughs> nah, the pastor has some things that he says, like, nah, no, uh, no, I'm not going to allow myself, I'm not going to entertain even the possibility that God is unfair because his word reveals him to be absolutely perfectly just at all times, no matter what. And, and so we have to be careful to allow our, uh, our perception of God to be formed exclusively uh, upon the truth of his words uh, rather than some misperception that maybe the old nature feeds to us, amen? Or maybe the enemy, Gary, feeds to us. Lord, the, the enemy would love to separate us from the Lord by causing us to view him as unfair. He is not, amen, church? He is fair, he's perfectly fair, even when it doesn't seem that way to us. And I think that's, that's perhaps the... Uh, the uh, inclination of our old nature that perhaps Jesus is addressing in this passage. Uh, he, he wants his disciples to understand that there is a place in heaven, in his millennium, uh, in eternity beyond that, for people who come to Christ no matter when they come whether it was in remote Jewish history or whether it was during the earthly ministry of Christ or, or whether it was well beyond that, uh, there's a place for everyone uh, in his future plan. Uh, and, and it's a place that is available to everyone graciously uh, regardless uh, of when they come. Now, I'm gonna just stop and, and consider that for a moment. Does the Bible teach that there's a place for everyone in the Lord's future, uh, everyone at all, just anyone. Does, does the Bible teach that uh, because Christ came and died upon the cross, everyone is automatically right with God and that there's a place for everyone who is ever born anywhere, no matter what, there's a place for that person uh, in eternity. Does the Bible teach that? The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that we're sinners and that our sin separates us from the Lord. And the only thing that can make us right and eventually uh, grant us that place is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches, right? But for those who would come to him, those who would come to Christ in faith, there's a place no matter when they come. Uh, anybody here saved uh, very early in life? Anybody here come to Christ very early on in life? Ernie, thank you. Uh, others, and praise God for that. Uh, pray, praise God for that. How about late in life? Any, anyone come to Christ later in life? Later in life, later in life, later. And there's, there's a place available to you uh, in eternity that's the same place that's available to Ernie, who testifies that, that he came uh, to Christ early in life. The same place. Now, we'll, we'll, get to, uh, we'll get to other types of rewards and positions later on this afternoon, but the same place that's available to you as someone who came early in life is available to someone over here who came uh, later in life. Uh, the Bible says, and just make some notes if you can, please, just jot down some verse references. Uh, Romans 10, 13 says this, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3 and verse 15 says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. By, by the way, how long is eternal? How long is that? 
forever. It's forever. You come to Christ for salvation today, you have eternal life today, and you don't lose it because according to the Bible, it's eternal. It's forever. The next verse there is our famous verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish uh, but have everlasting life. This place in eternity is available to everyone, whosoever, regardless of when they come, uh, the place in the Lord's kingdom, in his millennial kingdom, is available to anyone and everyone, no matter when they come. Uh, Gary, I'm going to say this morning, that's, that's the Lord's grace that makes that possible. Can you earn a place in, in his kingdom? Can you earn a place? See, don't, don't, don't we naturally have the idea that we can? Isn't that the, isn't that the belief of most faiths? Uh, I, I can, you know, there's some religious things I can do uh, and I'll be okay. I, I can just live a good life and go to church and you know, maybe serve God a little bit and, and I'll be okay. Uh, there's some religious practices that I can do, some ceremony, and, I, and I'll just be okay. That's not what the Bible teaches though, right? The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. Uh, by, it's undeserved. By definition, it's undeserved. There's nothing we can do other than choose to turn to Christ from sin uh, and accept him by faith. Uh, it's grace. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. And uh, Jesus, I believe, is, is trying just to reiterate this great truth to his disciples. It's grace and this same grace is available to everyone, no matter when they come. Listen, until someone draws their last breath this side of heaven, it's not too late to secure a place. Amen? It's not too late to secure a place in heaven, to secure a place in his millennium uh, and beyond. Until you draw your last breath, it's not too late. And that's gracious. No one should look and say, oh, you know, I got saved when I was eight and I served the Lord and I was in church. And uh, that guy over there, he got saved when he was 88. And you're telling me he's going to get the same place I do? There, that's the murmuring that was being pictured here. And the Lord's answer to that is yes, he gets the same place. Now, there could be some degrees of reward that are different, but both graciously, graciously, both have a place in the Lord's future, in eternity, in heaven, the millennium, and beyond. And that's grace. It's grace. It's not based on our service, our time of service, our duration of service. When we come, uh, it's, it's grace. And so the Lord is no doubt communicating that. He wants this to be understood. Uh, he wants these Jewish men who are his disciples uh, to understand this. By the way, what age are we in right now? The church age. And most of us in here today, we're Jewish or we're Gentiles? We have some Jewish people here today who've been saved. Praise God for that. But most of us are Gentiles, right? And, and so if, if you think about this, this is before the cross, uh, before the Lord made it totally clear to everyone that Jews and Gentiles would come into the same church and be part of the same local church assemblies, the same, the same church body. Uh, don't you think that Christ might just be preparing uh, these, these Jewish disciples uh, to understand that as well? Uh, I think the Lord is saying, listen, uh, you understand that, that God 
Uh, God's people historically had been the Jewish people, uh, and those that came knew, knew great blessings, but, but now the Lord is going to graft in some others into uh, the offer of salvation and to the promises that come with salvation. And, and, and don't you be jealous of that, these, these latecomers. Don't, don't be jealous of those Gentiles that, that you may have to get along with in a church because that's what the Lord's about to do. He's about to create, to usher in the, the church age. Uh, don't, don't murmur against these newcomers. Uh, lovingly accept them, receive them. That's going to be God's plan for some period of time that, that they didn't really know. How long has it been since the first century? How long has it been? It's been 2,000 years. Some are saying, oh, it's been 2,000 years. He's not coming back. What do you say? He's coming back, uh, and it could be today. Is there anything biblically that prevents it from being today? If it came today, would that be okay? Do you hope it's after the turkey dinner? <laughs> Don't hope that, but there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen? Amen. Um, Lord has many purposes for this, this parable. It, it had great purposes for, for those Jewish men who he's instructing. Surely he was preparing them to understand Gentiles are, are going to be grafted in and, and salvation is available to them. You'll serve with them in the same churches. And there's many scriptures we could look at to that end. Um, we, we understand that the temptation to murmur against the Lord uh, and perhaps even these men were going to murmur against the Gentiles that would be called into their churches and, uh, and to serve with them. Um, by the way, uh, do, do you struggle at all with complaining, church? Do you ever struggle at all with complaining? Think about the last time you complained about something. These, the, these were going to complain about... Um, People being grafted into God's plan and offered the same place, no matter that they were latecomers and others came earlier. We've said that many times now. They, they were tempted to complain. That reveals a, a temptation in our hearts that's part of our sin nature uh, to complain. Do you struggle with that at all? Brother Ray, I don't know why I'm looking at you. Are, are you a complainer? I don't know. My, my gaze just fell up there. You forgive me. Uh, I, don't wanna, I can't look anywhere now. Look down here. <laughs> Are you a complainer? Do, do you find yourself complaining at times? Do you? There's a confession. <laughs> you know, it's very easy, right? It's, it's just so easy to complain. It, it, is it easier to complain than to be content? Is, is it naturally? It's easier to complain than to be content. Dante, what do you say? Is it easier? Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Is it easier to complain than to be content? Stop to think about this. Who's in control of all things at all times, all through history? Who's in control of all things? The Lord himself. Is he in control of all things? Even when it doesn't, Marilyn, even when it looks chaotic out there, is he in control of all things? The Bible reveals him to be in control of all things. Is, is, is that settled in your heart? Is God in control of all things? He's sovereign God. We're, we're not Calvinists, but we understand he, he's a sovereign God, and we praise him for that. Uh, is he your provider? Does the Bible reveal the Lord to be your provider? And if you've come to Christ, sought, sought him, his righteousness uh, for your life, has the Lord promised to meet your basic needs, Matthew 6? Is that true? Is it? 
and so uh, does he? Is he faithful to do that? Is he faithful to meet your basic needs? Church? Yes. He is. And so if we're complaining, who are we complaining against? If we're complaining, who are we complaining against? Someone said God. Should we vote? We don't really vote on anything, everything. I'm just being silly today. We don't do that. <laughs> just being silly. It's not silly, though, right, to complain, because if you're complaining, you're necessarily complaining against God because he is in control of all things, and he is our provider. And so what he provides, if you know him, it is sufficient. It may not seem like, you know, the best of everything that the world could possibly offer, but his provision is sufficient, and so many times so much more than sufficient, and yet our tendency is to complain uh, even about other people being grafted into God's plan and have the same place in heaven uh, as, as we do. That doesn't sound like a very loving thing to be complaining about. Uh, but, but this passage, the parable, brings out the truth that we'll just complain about anything. We'll just complain about anything. Uh, why is that? Why is that? Why is that? What does it reveal about us? Pride. That's your answer to everything, man. But it's true, isn't it? Isn't that the, isn't that the root sin? If you, if you can look down into your old nature and see one sin at the root of so many other problems that we deal with, if, if you could pull up a, a tree that had limbs that were all of your different sins and you could pull it up and look at the root, it'd be the root of pride. It seems to be at the root of so many things uh, that we struggle with, right? When I'm complaining, I'm saying, God, your provision for me is, is not enough. It's, it's not good enough for me. Uh, the murmuring that we see here, the, the implication is, God, I deserve so much more than the next guy. You know, I've, I've been your man for so ever, or your woman's for so ever. I, I was saved uh, since, you know, I was, you know, three days old. No one's saved since they were three days old. Lord, I heard the gospel when I was eight and I got saved and it was genuine. And, uh, how, how could my place be equivalent to someone else who, who got saved at 88? God, God how is it that uh, I, I've known you and I've served you for so long, but I don't have the same uh, power, position, wealth. I don't have uh, all the nice things that this lost person over here has. Or this person over here who's only been saved for like a day and a half, God. It doesn't seem fair, God. Is God just? Is he perfectly just? Brother Art, does God know what he's doing? Does he always know what, he, what he's doing? Does God wake up some days? God doesn't sleep, does he? Does, does God wake up some days and say, oh man, I, I, was, I treated Brother Art unfairly. I better fix that. That's not the God of the Bible. And that's not the God that I've known in my life. That's not the God that we've worshipped in our church. We've known him to be a perfectly just God, even if sometimes we struggle to see how exactly he's being fair and just in our lives. Is he fair and just? Always. Is he? Should we complain? Lord, help us to recognize our tendency to murmur and to complain against you 
And, and Lord, to confess that as sin, discontentment is sin. Lord, Lord, help us to be satisfied with Christ, who's promised to never leave us believers or forsake us, who's promised to provide for us that which we truly need, our basic needs. Lord, help us to be content with such things as we have uh, and, and, and to be thankful, uh, to be thankful. We're going to go downstairs this morning. We're going to thank the Lord for his blessings. Uh, anybody in here known a trial this year? Raise your hands. <laughs> Raise your hands. Uh, can you be thankful for the trial? James said that God's working in them, right, to grow you. Maybe someone's going to say, thank you, Lord, for the trial. Maybe someone else has something that's not a trial, just a blessing. Hold on a second. Aren't trials blessings if God's using them to grow us? And is he? And so complaining about trials doesn't make a lick of sense, does it, Gary? Not one. I, you don't complain. Sorry. Praise God. Despite our sinful complaining, despite our imperfect corrupted view of God's grace and his justice and his fairness. It is true that anyone who comes to Christ humbly repenting and placing their faith in him for forgiveness of sin, anyone, everyone, whomsoever, whosoever, there's a place for each of us who will do that in his future, in heaven, the millennium, and eternity beyond. And it's a much better place than the alternative. By the way, is the alternative hell, is it real? Is it real? It is. It's revealed to be a place of conscious torment. It's revealed to be a place of fire. It's revealed to be a place of isolation and hopelessness. It's revealed to be a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's revealed to be a place of punishment. It's revealed to be a place of banishment from the presence of God. If you have nothing else to be thankful for as a believer this morning, if you can think of nothing else, praise God that you'll not spend one moment there. Amen? But by the way, if you've not yet come to Christ and trusted him and him alone for forgiveness of sin, I'm sorry to share that is your future. I don't like that, Gary. I hate, I, not a word I'm comfortable saying. I don't like to preach that, but I have to preach the truth, right? I, I have to, there's only one other alternative to coming to Christ and, and having a certainty about the place uh, in heaven and the millennium and eternity beyond, the only other option is the place that is hell. And that wasn't made for us. That was made for Satan uh, and, and the demons, but it is the place of punishment for those who refuse the offer of the person who makes that place possible. That person is who? The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful this morning for Christ, and I, I trust this morning uh, that you are too. There's a place graciously offered to anyone who will come to Christ.
Christ is the person, the second P, uh, number two. He's the person. Would you look with me at verses 17, 18, and 19, please? We'll look at these quickly. We'll not, we'll not spend an awful lot of time here, but, but look with me here. We've seen the place and the person who makes the place possible. Number two, the person who makes the place in his kingdom possible. It's Christ. It's not just who he is, but what he has accomplished for us. Who is he? Who is Christ, church? He's the Son of God. He's the Son of God. What did he accomplish for us? He accomplished the possibility of our salvation when he died upon the cross, taking the punishment that we deserve. He accomplished the possibility of my forgiveness if I would only receive the payment that he made by grace through faith. Jesus, uh, in the next several verses here, he he reminded his disciples that as they were now traveling toward Jerusalem, that it's, it's him and it's the cross that's the only thing that's going to make that place possible, the place that he's been speaking about. He, him, who he is, a perfect sinless sacrifice, and what he would accomplish on the cross, taking my sins upon his own self, uh, in dying a substitutionary death, dying in my place to make my salvation possible. This is what Jesus speaks to in verses 17, 18, 19. Jesus, verse 17, going up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. Remember, you always go up to. Uh, and the Son of Man, that's him, the Lord Jesus Christ, he shall be betrayed. Sure enough, he was unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, the Jewish leaders, and they shall condemn him to death. Jesus prophesied this, and sure enough, he was condemned to death. Verse 19, he continued, they shall deliver him, Jesus, to the Gentiles, to mock and to scourge uh, and to crucify him. Uh, and the third day he shall, get your amens ready, and the third day he shall rise again. Amen. He, did he rise again on the third day? Was he betrayed? Was he mocked? Was he scourged? Was he crucified? Did he die upon that cross? Was he buried? Did he rise again on the third day? And, and remember, he said he would, and he did. What an amazing truth of who he is. Uh, what an amazing truth also, the fact that God the Father was satisfied by the sacrifice that he made upon the cross uh, for all who would come to him, uh, for everyone. It's available to everyone. Uh, this is a fulfillment of all the prophecies of the Old Testament. Psalm 22, uh, Isaiah 53. We'll get there in our 10 a.m. study uh, through the book of Isaiah. Uh, later in Matthew 26, they did spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of... It's been prophesied all the way through Scripture, all the way back to, to uh, Genesis 3. We see allusions to the cross and, uh, throughout the Old Testament. And now Jesus saying, hey, I'm the one, uh, and I am the one who will uh, experience these things. Uh, Gary, in context, no doubt his, his thought, the idea here is so that 
I could secure a place for you so that you could know for certain that when you come to me, placing your faith in me and the sacrifice, by the way, a blood sacrifice that I will make for you upon that cross, uh, your reservation in hell is canceled. And your reservation in heaven is what? It's confirmed. Is it confirmed? Is it certain? Absolutely 100% uh, certain. This is the purpose. This is the purpose. Look down at verse 28, please. Uh, look, look down at, at, at verse 28, the purpose. He says, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, uh, to serve, and, and how? How? To give his life a what? A ransom uh, for, uh, the word has the idea here, in place of. A ransom for or, or in place of many. Uh, he is the ransom, the price that would be paid to, to release us from the consequence of our sin, a very real hell, to release us, to save us from the consequence of our sin so that we could be absolutely 100% assured of a place in heaven, his millennium, uh, and, and eternity with him beyond. Uh, the place is great blessing, made possible by Christ, the person who is God the Son. By the way, Gary, he'll be there with us throughout that eternity. He's part of the blessing in our eternity, amen? We'll be there with him. The resurrected Christ will be there with us throughout our entire eternal future. Can you even imagine can you even imagine all the blessings that we've looked at, the New Jerusalem, all the, all the wonderful truths that we looked at just recently on a Sunday night? Uh, may I say this? Art, that beats hell by a long shot. It doesn't even compare. Do you have the person? Do you know him? Do you know him? Have you turned to him? And said, Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know the Bible, you've convicted me in my own heart. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the Bible says. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, eternal death, and eternal separation from God in a very real hell. By the way, it's true the Bible makes more references to hell than to heaven. The Bible does not, the Lord does not want us to miss the certain reality of hell for those who reject the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Gary, it doesn't make a lick of sense to reject him, does it? Not a lick of sense. Not a lick of sense. But he's unfair. He's unjust. No, he's not. It may seem that way at times through our corrupted eyes, uh, our misperception, our hazy understanding. The Bible reveals him to be just and righteous and perfectly fair and holy and loving. He loved us so much that he allowed himself to be placed upon that cross, to be scourged, to be mocked, to be killed in my place. Could you imagine a God who loves us that much? Marilyn, it doesn't make a lick of sense to reject the person who makes the place, the place that we've looked at this morning possible. It just doesn't make sense. 
Let's bow our heads, please. Father God, I thank you this morning for the certainty of our salvation, our forgiveness, when we come to Christ, the person who is your only begotten Son. Lord, I thank you so much this morning for the certainty that I have because of Christ, the person who is your only begotten Son. Lord, I don't have to worry about hell for a moment. I thank you so much. What a great blessing. Lord, I thank you so much for the certainty of heaven and a place in your millennium. Lord, what an amazing blessing. Lord, I thank you that you showed me in my heart that I was a sinner. I still am. You showed me in my heart that Christ is the Savior, the Messiah, the long-prophesied Jewish Messiah who offered salvation not just to Jews but to Gentiles like me. Lord, thank you for the certainty from your word that whosoever, whosoever would come can know forgiveness. Lord, I thank you this morning for the certainty that when a man or a woman repents, we're converted. Our sins are blotted out. We're saved from a very real hell. We secure a place in your kingdom and all the blessings that go along with it. Lord, I pray for believers this morning that we take a moment and thank you for the certainty of these things. Lord, I pray this morning for anyone amongst us who's not yet made the decision to come to Christ with simple, humble faith. Would they just make that decision this morning? Lord, that you'd convict them, that you'd show them in their hearts beyond a shadow of a doubt. These are truths. There's no other way. And it simply does not make sense to reject the offer of salvation. Place with you in eternity made possible by Christ, the, the only person who makes it possible. I'll give you a moment this morning to pray. Anything, Lord, is laid upon your heart. I encourage you to pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the certainty of my salvation. If you're here this morning and you've never prayed and accepted Christ as your Savior, I encourage you. Take a moment and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Father, I know Christ is the Savior. He died in my place. This morning, as best as I understand, I'm going to just turn to him and turn from sin and turn to Christ and place my faith in him for forgiveness. Trusting him to be the only person that makes that possible. I'll give you a moment to pray. If you're here this morning and you've made the decision to place your faith in Christ, I would love to be able to rejoice with you. Would you, would you come and say, Pastor, find me before we, we leave today and say, Pastor, I just want you to know I've made that decision today. 
I'd love to be able to rejoice with you and encourage you. Father, thank you so very much for the place that is our hope. Thank you so much for the person, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our hope. Lord, as we look ahead to the afternoon service, thank you for the, the position that is available to us in that place because of Christ, the only person who makes it possible. Lord, thank you. Father God, thank you so very much for loving each of us so much that you sent your only begotten son. Lord, thank you. We have so much to be grateful for. We thank you this morning. Father, as we look ahead now to our fellowship meal, I pray that it would be a wonderful time of fellowship. Thank you for newcomers uh, this morning who will join us. I pray that you help us to be a, a wonderful encouragement to each other. Lord, I pray that our time together would be a blessing to you, that it would bring you honor and glory, and that it would be pleasing to you. Thank you, Father. I know that it will be. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may look up here. Zach's going to come and lead us in a closing song. Zach, you come. When we finish, uh, we'll head right downstairs. And when you get down there, just go ahead and, and take a seat, okay? So our tradition, most of you know this already, but our tradition has been we'll, we'll take a few minutes, we'll go around the table, and just uh, you'll have an opportunity just to express something that you're thankful for. Don't feel like you have to do that. Don't, you don't have to do that, but if you'd like to, you raise a hand and just share something. Uh, after that, we'll pray. Uh, we'll bless the food. And uh, the food will be served this year, okay? So food will be brought to you. And then um, there'll be beverages and desserts down there also. The beverages are self-serve, so you go ahead and get a beverage. Uh, the desserts will be self-serve also, okay? But the, the meal will be served uh, at the table this year. That's just something that's a little bit different. So we'll go down, we'll, we'll take a seat, and, and we'll go from there. Sound good? Okay. Zach, you come, please. Thank you for being here this morning. All right, please uh, stand with me as we turn to 675. We'll stand if you can as we turn to 675. We'll sing the first and the last of the old account with settled, number 675. Forgive. My name was at the top and many 